Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. This message was preached on December 19th, 2021. We are continuing today our study of the first Christmas in the, the Gospel of Matthew. And I want you to note that Matthew doesn't give us many specific details about the birth of Jesus. He talks about what led up to it and what happened afterwards, but he simply says in the end of the passage we read last week that she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. So as you can tell, Matthew was a pretty typical guy, straight to the point with very few details. I can uh, remember when my uh, firstborn came into the world and uh, I called my parents. Now understand, this was before social media, this was before cell phones, and this was back when long distance phone calls were very expensive. And so I was kind of like Matthew. I called, my dad answered. I said, we had a girl, we named her Christina. Don and Christina are both doing well. Typical phone conversation with my dad. He said, great, here's your mom. At which point I got a thousand questions. How tall is she? Um, about yay long? She's still about yay long. Uh, how much does she weigh? I don't know. She's a baby. How much could she weigh? What color is her hair? Yes, she has some. Who does she look like? I don't know. She looks like a baby. Wrinkled skin, tiny little fingers, pointy head. I don't know. I don't know. And then, of course, well, when can I talk to Dawn? And I said, you know, maybe tomorrow. Um, and that's when she got all of the details. Matthew just said Jesus was born. The important thing was not the details of the birth. And so we don't know the things that people usually talk about babies today. Weight, height, skin color, hair color. But we do know about the two groups of people who came to see him after his birth. First, the angels and the shepherds came that night that he was born, and then sometimes afterwards, the, the magi or the wise men came. But let's start with the shepherds. Mary Kay and I, some of you know this, have had this long, ongoing debate about whether the angels spoke my impression or sang her impression to the angels. Luke 2.11 says the angel said, sounds like speaking, if you ask me, but Luke 2.13, the heavenly host appeared, praising God and saying, and I got to admit, that sounds a little bit like a choir coming out and singing, but I want to present to you a different idea this morning. Maybe it wasn't speaking or singing, but something halfway in between. Maybe the angels rapped. <laughs> what do you think? I mean, you know, could be either one. And so maybe the heavenly host is the original rap group. And it went something like this. Jeremy, I'm going to need your help. Mm, 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 mm. 
Good shepherds out in the field tonight. Come listen to me and don't take fright. I have something to say that you need to hear. It's good news, I say. You don't need to fear. Fear, 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 fear. Part the herald angels rhyme. The king is here and it's finally time to sing with joy and forget the danger. Our heavenly king is born in a manger. Manger, 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 manger. Glory to God in heaven most high. He's come to earth you cannot deny. To give peace to men who believe in him. He's shining bright. His light will never dim. Dim, dim, dim. Damn, Go damn. see him in a manger lay. You'll find him in a bib shining bright as day. The Lord of Lords is in Bethlehem bringing peace on earth and goodwill to men. Men, 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 men. Word. You said you were willing to have fun. Okay, okay. That's my interpretation on how that might have gone. <laughs> By the way, we'll have our new album out, The Heavenly Host, pretty soon. Just remember, I'm heavenly, he's the host. Okay. <laughs> now let's move on to the uh, Magi. And no, I don't have a song about them. Mary Kay had that one. Okay. <laughs> We're going to move on to the Magi or the wise men. Later traditions named them. These are all traditions. Gaspar, Melchior, Balthazar, and said they were from Europe, Asia, and Africa, the three known continents at the time. But those are pretty much made-up identities. We sang, as Mary Kay mentioned, we three kings from Orient are, but that's based more on tradition than on the Bible. We really don't know how many that there were. The Bible mentions three kinds of gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The Bible calls them magi, not kings, so that is more tradition than reality, and they probably weren't from the Orient. Bible references to the East usually are a reference to Persia or Babylonia, modern Iran, Iraq. And the star is fascinating, and there's all kinds of theories about the star itself out there, but no one can really fully explain it, at least not from a scientific perspective. Magi were men who studied astronomy, philosophy, religion, world history. They were really seekers of truth. In today's world, we might call them scientists or philosophers or professors. And so I want you to give that, have that understanding as we read our text. And today we're reading Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Let's stand together as we read this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. 
For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. You may be seated. Now I will tell you this, that uh, only Matthew tells us of the Magi, so what I just read to you is really all that we know from the Bible but it's a great story, and I really want you to know it. And I want to share it with you four important takeaways from the story of the wise men. And the first thing that I want you to see is, is what I'm calling the hunger of the Magi. They saw something unusual in the stars, a sign that God used to communicate to them that a king of the Jews was to be born. I'm using the word hunger because it was deeper than just merely curiosity. And so this led them on a quest to find the truth. Who is this king? Why a new king now, especially when the Roman Empire was beginning to replace kings with governors? Why is he so important that he gets a star in the heavens. Who is he? What's this all about? And they had this deep, deep hunger, and they felt like they needed to know the truth. And so they undertook a long, dangerous journey. If we're right in assuming that they were from uh, um, Iran, Iraq today, they had two choices. You either had to travel what is called the Fertile Crescent, so they would have water and food along the journey, but that would add many, many months to their entire journey, or they had to cross the desert at just the right time when water was available, and that was also a dangerous and expensive choice because water was closely guarded, and if you had animals to water, the price to do so was exorbitant. Either way, this was not an either choice for them. On both routes, bandits and thieves were an issue, and so they had to travel in a group large enough for self-defense. Don't think of this as a vacation journey. This was more like an armed expedition requiring months of preparation. And why did they do it? Because they wanted to know the truth. They were seekers. They were men who needed to know, who is this king? What is this all about? Why is he so important? Who is he? What's the truth? Now listen, I want to encourage you all to have that same kind of hunger for truth. It needs to be said in what people are calling this post-postmodern world. 
we need to be reminded that truth really does exist. There is reality, and you and I need to seek it. Opinions, well, we all have them, but we can't equate our opinions with truth. And so like the Magi, we need this sense of hunger, this deeper than curiosity, where we need to know, I want to know what is the truth. And I'm talking about truth about all things. Listen, sometimes we, we isolate ourselves. Um, we, we need to know the truth about history, the truth about science, the truth about God, all of these things, because I think all of them came from God. History is the story of what God has done from the beginning of time up till now. And real historians really want to know the truth, not just their version of truth. The universe is real. It was created by God. And so real scientists study it to find out what is, not what they want it to be. And when it comes to the things of God, and all things are things of God, either there is a God or there isn't. Either Jesus is his son or he is not. Either there is some higher standard of right and wrong from God or there is not. These things matter, and I'm challenging you to have that same kind of hunger. I must know. I want to know. I can't live without knowing. And the Magi, the wise men, had that. Now, truth does not come easily. With the Magi, it took months, probably years from there. Okay, we're going to go until when they got back. It was expensive. They put in some time and effort to find out what really is. So don't be content with an opinion. Don't be content with a 30-second sound bite that a preacher or a politician gave you about what is and is not. Seek truth especially about the things of god and that's a lifetime journey you don't get there overnight so i wanted you to see the hunger of the magi now you know where i stand i believe with all of my heart that there is a god that he is real that jesus is his son that he came on that first christmas that he died on the cross for our sins that he rose again that he is alive today and that someday he will come and take me to be with him but i'm not asking you just to take jack's word for it jack doesn't know everything i'm asking you to seek god with all your heart like the wise men did we've got to go who will go with us got to go find out this baby this king whatever god has done they didn't even know all the answers they probably were not jews they probably didn't understand the whole concept of a messiah though they may have studied some of that but they felt like we really need to know who's with us we're going and i hope you have that hunger and curiosity to know the truth i want you to see the hunger of the magi but it's not all a pretty story i also want you to see the hypocrisy of Herod because in essence understand what he was telling the wise men hey let me know what you find because I want to come and worship this baby as well instead he determined right up front I'm not going to worship that baby I'm going to kill that baby I do not need anyone else who's a threat to my throne I have enough of those so understand Herod 
He had all the right words. He sounded so sincere. And as believers, we need to know that there are many hypocritical people today who sound genuine and sincere, but are not. Herod was a master of hypocrisy. He presented himself to the Romans as a loyal and able administrator, and he stole them blind to enrich himself and his family. He presented himself to the Jews as a sincere convert to Judaism. Behind the scenes, though, this was one of the most highly immoral men of history. History tells us that he murdered his wife and several of his sons. In addition, as we'll see in the story next week as it continues, he murdered innocent babies who he thought just might possibly be a threat to him. He came across as a sincere, honest, real man of faith. But he was not. And so as believers, you and I need to be better at discernment. Because the world is full of Herods. Men who know how to speak good words, but don't live them. In the political world, I'm not picking on anyone, both Republicans and Democrats, every two years, your vote and mine is courted by men and women who tell us what we want to hear about their faith, about their heart to help people, about their values and their morality, and we too often buy it without an honest look at who they are, their character, because we want to believe that someone who agrees with us politically must be okay. We've got to be smarter than that. In the church, we call pastors and musicians and we promote leaders based on talents and abilities rather than their character. And the church has been burned repeatedly by ungodly men in Christian leadership positions in both the world and in the church. Characters, character matters much more than words. Herod had the words. We need godly men and women in positions of leadership in the world, but especially in the church. Now, I'm not trying to turn you into a skeptic, but I do want to teach you that hypocrisy is rampant and always has been. This is not a 21st century issue. Herod was highly talented, but talent is never enough. Herod knew how to speak, but speaking is not enough. Character matters. And when we're looking for leadership in the church especially, you got to look to the character. He can preach is not enough. She can sing is not enough. He can lead this ministry is not enough. We need to look at who people are. I wanted you to see the hunger of the Magi, the hypocrisy of Herod. I also now get the negative part aside. Let's go back to, to see how the Magi honored Jesus. I want to point out the honor that they gave to Jesus because seeing this will help us understand a little bit about worship. 
And I want you to notice that the Magi focused on Jesus himself. They saw Mary and the baby, and then it says they worshiped the baby. It wasn't about Mary and Joseph. They're, they were great people, and we've studied them, but the focus of the Magi was immediately on Jesus. That's what worship really is. We gather in a group, but it's not about me or Jeremy or Mary Kay or the praise team or the choir. It's about if it's real worship, it's focusing on Jesus. And I want you to see the attitude of the Magi, because it was both joyous, excited, enthusiastic, and sincere. They were filled with joy that they had found the king, and there may have been shouts of praise and thanksgiving, but it was also a serious thing. They stopped and bowed down before Jesus. And that's what happens in true worship. There's both joy and there's serious contemplation. So let's not pick on the Pentecostals for their celebrations or on the Presbyterians for their seriousness because real worship includes both and a focus on Jesus. And I also want you to notice the sacrificial giving that they made. That's part of real worship. The gifts they gave were not token gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh were the kinds of gifts given to royalty not to babies. The gifts of the Magi were serious gifts that cost time and money. And that also is part of real worship. We bring something to God when we worship. It may be our tithe. It may be a gift to mission. It may be a gift that will benefit God's work in some way. It may be a commitment of time and energy that we're going to put into God's work in the coming week. Worship is not just an event that we attend. It's a gift that we give to God. And the Magi did that. In 1982, when I tell these stories, I sound really old. But in 1982, Don and I were leading a mission vacation Bible school at a tiny church in Gila Bend, Arizona. We had about 20 kids. And I had two of these kids who were regulars in the church. And so they became my ushers. Um, a 10-year-old and a 6-year-old. And we told them on the last day, Friday, we were going to take a mission offering and we were going to give the money to, to missionaries. And when that offering time came on Friday, this is towards the end of, uh, of, of the Vacation Bible School, probably about 11.30, 11.45, my 10-year-old usher was still nowhere to be seen. And so the 6-year-old and I taking the offering... In came running the 10-year-old boy. Hot, sweaty, covered with grass. And he came running up to me at the offering plate. And he said, I'm sorry, I'm late. I didn't have any money to bring, so I went out and I got two jobs this morning cutting lawns. And then he emptied his pockets into the offering plate. It wasn't gold, it wasn't frankincense, it was myrrh, but that was worship, and that was real. I want you to see the hunger of the Magi, the hypocrisy of Herod, the honor given to Jesus, and then also the humble obedience of the Magi. Verse 12 says, And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, 
they returned to their country by another route. They already had a plan. They knew how they were going to get back home. But God said, no, go a different route. And they immediately changed their mind and their plan and followed God. Their quest for truth and their opportunity to see Jesus was over. But God said, don't go back to that hypocrite. So they changed their route. Now, listen, we should understand something about ancient routes and roads. This was not like us saying, okay, I'll take the 101 instead of I-10 to go to Phoenix. All routes in Jerusalem, went, all in Judea, went through Jerusalem. All roads. Bethlehem was only six miles from Jerusalem. It's really part of Jerusalem today. And so they had to back out and back up, and this detour was not a matter of an hour or two. It would take many days, maybe many weeks. But in obedience to God, they did what they were asked. Listen, obeying God is not always easy or convenient. We'll look at how that works out in the life of Mary and Joseph next week when in the middle of the night they had to get up and flee their country because God told them to. So I'm not telling you, and I don't want you to get the wrong impression that if you're going to say yes to Jesus, it's always going to be easy. It's not. God is going to ask you to change your mind, change your opinion, change your plans, do things His way instead of your way. That's part of following Jesus. And we need to know that. He'll change what we think, how we act, what we do. Because we're obedient to Jesus. And that's what He calls us to be. So I wanted you to see these things about the story. It's a great story, and sometimes we just, you know, see three kings as part of the nativity scene. These were real men who sought with all their heart to know the truth, and they found Jesus. And that's what I want to happen to you. Let me give you two applications today, two ways to apply it. I want to challenge you to seek truth in all things, but especially regarding Jesus. You need to decide, is this real or is this not? Is this just a good Christmas story? Or is Jesus really the Son of God and did he really die for me on the cross? And if he did, then that has serious implications for me. I need him, I want him, I choose to believe in him and I will follow him. Seek truth with all your heart. And then choose to follow him. Courageously and sacrificially. If Jesus is real, like I'm telling you that he is, then he deserves more than just a Sunday morning attention span. We believe in him. We put our faith in him. We serve him. We follow him. We give to him. And we become his people. And I'm challenging you to do that. Not because I said so, but because it's truth. And if you have sought him and God is speaking to you today, I invite you to put your faith and trust in him. And if God is prompting you, hey, you need to take me a little more seriously than you have been, then I invite you to tell him, yes, Lord, I will. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church. If we can help you in any way, please contact us. 
Our information is on our webpage at abcaz.net, or you can call us at 623-932-2723. Thank you, and may God bless you and your family.